you're not able to, that's fine. But we're going to pray for you. You're going to get healed. A lifestyle that gives. Unless the Holy Spirit talks to me a little bit more, um, we're going to conclude the series uh, today. And I want you to recognize that as a pastor, I'm not trying to grab money or grab things by teaching on this, as some would accuse a pastor when he talks about tithe and giving. But the reality, what I am desirous to do is to open up your heart and to give you understanding that God tests you. God tests you with your tithe. And then he also desires for you to understand that he owns everything. Everything that you own, he's given to you. But the reality is he wants to input so much more in every area of your life. And by doing that, what he does is he uses finances. He uses your gifts, your talents, uh, as last week we talked about the talents. And he uses those to bring about his kingdom in this world. And the reason why the church today is decreasing in attendance is because I believe that those that have become born again do not understand the principle of giving and the principle of a lifestyle of giving and in so many areas other than your money. And but God uses our money and his money to test us. So I want to pray because uh, we're going to talk about obedience to what God says to you. Have you, ever, have you ever been somewhere where you thought, you know, is that you, God, that the Lord's telling you to go to someone and to take them into McDonald's or standing there at McDonald's, you're there, and, and to feed them or to give them maybe a $5 bill or, or $50 or whatever it is that you walk in the church and you see someone sitting and worshiping the Lord and they look so happy, but the Lord says, I want you to go over them and give them a kind word and to bless them prophetically, a word of knowledge. You see, a lot of people want to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, but because they don't have a heart that gives, God's not going to use them because God is not going to take something that is so holy and so perfect and give it to someone who's going to abuse it. And so, in reality, obedience is the key. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You rule and reign at Valley Community Church. Lord, we step back every time we gather and we say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. It's what you desire for us to be, for us to do. That's what we want. Not our will, but your will be done. And Lord, today as we proclaim the word of God, Lord, help me in my uh, sometimes insufficient way to be able to clarify things. Lord, Holy Spirit, I know that if I just go blah, 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 you could use that and change a person and heal someone. And I give you honor for that. Thank you for this congregation, this church family. Blessings upon blessings today and our homes and everything we put our hands to. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you were seated.
About a year ago, of course, it was uh, coming to the Christmas season, and I also was preparing for Wednesday evening services because I'm teaching on the book of John. So I was just reading the book of John up in my man cave, and I got to chapter 2, and I began to read a story, and you know the story. It's the well-known story. It's of Mary and Jesus at the wedding in Cana, where Jesus turns the water into wine. Mary says something as I was reading, which bottom line, I believe, sets a culture. And what God is doing at Valley Community is he is restating, resetting, and in addition, giving us a kingdom culture that we are to be, who we are in Christ who we are as a church. If someone is to describe Valley Community Church, (laughs) we'll all speak the same thing. Mary says something, and it sets a culture of that story, but the culture is what I saw, obedience. So I begin to dive into this. And by the way, in obedience, I'm going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I texted Jeremy, um, oh, five, six, seven days ago, and I said, Jeremy, please just, I sent her a text message, I said, please just um, put this on my desk so I am reminded to share with the church. Kanye West is real. Transformation has taken place And revelation of a call has happened in his life. But remember, church, he is new in the kingdom. He's a babe in the kingdom. And being a babe in the kingdom, he will make mistakes like you and me. Do not judge either way. Just realize the Lord can do that for you in your life. The Lord can do that for your child, for your grandchild in your family. And then I I asked him to, to write this, strive to find that kingdom reality for your walk in your call. Let the Lord use you. Can I hear an amen? Obedience is the key in the area of giving and any other area of life, obedience. In our marriage, in our health, in our spiritual walk, and as we've been talking about, in our giving. If you want above and beyond in your life, and live a miraculous life, obedience must be a part of the ingredients of your life. In John chapter 2, let's read this story. It's very, very unique what happens. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, Jesus, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, 
what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now remember, verse 5, she says, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. Let's continue. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior wine. You have kept the good wine until now. Hmm. Let's just give you some background now, and let's just talk about what's happened here. First of all, um, some people, when you hear this story and you hear the word wine, there's a judgment that takes place. Whether a Christian drinks, a Christian doesn't drink wine, okay? We're not in here to do that, and we're not here to judge. And that's not part of my teaching today. But listen to the story and listen to what we can uh, hear and understand so that we can live out the, these principles in our life and walk in the more than lifestyle. God wants to bless you more than you could ever ask or think. But you have to walk kingdom. You have to walk in a lifestyle of giving. Now, weddings in these days were really kind of awesome. Weddings in Israel would go on for about seven days, some a little bit shorter. But this was the third day of the reception. The bridegroom were treated like a queen and a king for seven days. And the, the bridegroom didn't go out of town, didn't go on a cruise. The family just had a huge party for a solid week. So it was a responsibility of the groom's family to provide the food and drink in that period of time. So if they ran out, then everyone went home early and got all ticked off, got mad about it. You see how sometimes in a, a religious traditional thing, how the expectancy of so many people, of so many things in people's lives, the expectancy uh, brings about uh, a culture of, of condemnation, a culture of religious junk. So if that happened, it was a disgrace to both families, and it became a scandal or a shame the rest of their lives. How sad that is. See, I'm trying to, to give you the background for this miracle. This miracle, listen very closely, is simply saving a family from embarrassment from the community. They ran out of wine. Jesus and Mary were invited, and history tells us 
Josephus, history tells us they were invited because they were part of the family. Actually, some people believe it was John's wedding, Jesus' second cousin. So this is why Mary was so concerned because it was part of family. And she knew the tradition and the condemnation of people and how people are in religious circles and judging them for certain things. The way they look, you know, whether they're all tatted up or, you know, whatever. And of this story, here is my question. This is what grabbed me. Why did Mary go to Jesus when they ran out of wine? Pastor, come on, man. You went to Bible college. You got a degree. You should know he's God. No, I'm questioning you. Why did Mary go to Jesus? She was very straightforward to Jesus. And what she did is she walked up to him and said, they have no wine. And probably as a good mother gave Jesus that look. And Jesus' response, I'll say something about this in a little bit. Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? And she probably gave him a second look. And then Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. So her thought was probably because you're the son of God, you have to do something. I don't want my family to be embarrassed. Jesus, you need to do something. Now, I know this is conjecture. I know that, that bottom line, I have no truth in this. So just let me have a little fun with you, okay? All right? Let me just have a little fun with you. I'm making the conclusion with little information. So let me make you think. The Bible said this was a sign. It doesn't say this was the first miracle but the beginning of signs. Are you following what I'm saying there? Okay. So I wonder if Jesus got caught in his younger years walking on water when everybody else was swimming. It's conjecture. Don't look at me that way. I wonder if Fido got hit by a chariot And all the kids were crying because Fido was gone. And Mary walks up and gives Fido to Jesus. And Jesus turns around and says, oh, look, kids, Fido's okay. I have no truth. I I have no scripture that says this is what Jesus did. Because it says the beginning of times, it doesn't say the beginning of miracles. And so in this, I just want you to open up your mind to the traditional thought, and I want you to be able to to really realize what this scripture is really talking about. See, I wonder if Jesus is doing homework, and Mary says, Jesus, yeah, mom. He says, she goes, I'm out of flour. Can you go to Stater Brothers and pick up a bag of flour? And Jesus goes, 
Mom, I'm doing my homework. Jesus, I need flowers. Stop doing your homework. And so Jesus pauses. Then he says, hey, Mom, look in the cupboard again. I know that's conjecture. But I don't know why Mary went to Jesus. They're at a regular wedding. They're at a regular life. And Mary goes to Jesus and says, they're out of wine. Mary must have known Jesus had an ability to do something about it. Can you agree with me with that? So again, Mary says, Jesus, they have no wine. And Jesus gives a typical male answer. Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? And then he says, Mom, my hour has not yet come. What hour? Notice what Mary does. Mary turns to the servants and says, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it, and gives Jesus that look again. I added that. This is a phrase that was going, that's been going over and over in my spirit even today. I still look at the story, and I know the traditional teaching. I know the traditional uh, statement of, of this. And, and I look at it, and I say, is that all? Is that everything that God wanted us to see when, through the Holy Spirit, that he had John write this. See, I believe it was John's wedding. And you can imagine what was on John's thoughts when he knew they ran out of wine and Jesus did what he did. Or, watch this, Mary taught us a principle we should always remember of the kingdom. We have been talking about giving to the Lord. Giving is not out of compulsion. Giving is not about being pressured. As a pastor, I am only asking you this. Whatever God says to you, do it. This is his word. As the Holy Spirit speaks to you through the word of God. So this is what jumps out at me. It's not traditional teaching. But let me just conclude this series by showing you this. Mary says, whatever. Doesn't matter how crazy it sounds. How crazy was it? No, just, just, just think about it. We're out of wine. Whatever he says for you to do, do it. And then Jesus says, see all those pots? Fill them up with water. Um, okay. You know how wine is made? Um, the wedding's happening now. See, you, you got to get it into context. You got to think about all of this, what's going on. 
You gotta think about your life in giving. You gotta think about kingdom principle in context of your life today, where you are at, what is going on in your life? What is happening in your life today? (laughs) Whatever God says, it might sound crazy, and it may make no sense. What do you mean, give and it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over? Hmm. If he says to do it, and you want to see above and beyond, then do it. Whatever. But, but this is how we do things in church. This is how we do things. I, I'm Catholic, I'm Baptist, I'm full gospel, I'm this, I'm that. And this is how we do things. Really? Is that God? Or is that man? Well, I can't, I can't go and do that because that's not, that's not my religion. Really? Are, are you going to put yourself into a place in your life where God says, I am going to do over and above you could ever ask or think But I can't do that because that's not how things are done. And I'm just asking, how's that working for you? You got to love your pastor. So church family, just do it. Mary said that before Nike. I believe Mary is saying, don't talk yourself out of the things God has been saying to you. Step out and do it. You have been called. You've been called to valley. You've been called, listen to me, you have been called to your home. You have been called to the job that you have. Let me, let me just... Uh, Finalize that thought. Oh, God, I need a job. Please give me a job. Oh, I need a job. I need a salary. I need something. I need to pay my bills. Oh, God. And all of a sudden, oh, God got me a job. I hate this job. I don't like this. This boss is terrible. I can't believe. I can't believe. I'm going to go find another job. So you're going against God's will. Because when we have a heart of giving We're not expecting anything in return. So when a boss, I'm not talking about the mistreatment that is illegal. I'm not talking about things like that. I'm talking about a boss doesn't say good job on Tuesday. He only says it on Friday that you don't get mad at him or her. The reality is, is what what has happened, the enemy has stolen from the church what Jesus, what Jesus and Mary, the experience here in, in the quote, the first miracle, no, 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 the first sign. Okay, the first sign. I believe, again, Mary is saying, do not talk yourself out of it. Step out and do it. So let me show you three things about obedience in the Bible. I'm going to call the fire department. Anyways, 
Let me show you three things about obedience. And I saw all your eyes going, sirens. Three things. First one, obedience can be measured. We've been learning that in giving. Obedience can be measured. Look at verse 7. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. Look at the description here. Fill the pots, guys. And they filled them up to the brim. Every drop of water they put in the pots became heaven's wine. What if they filled the pots with six inches from the top? They still would have had wine, but not as much. I'm trying to help you understand the kingdom principle that when you go 100 to 110% in everything that you're doing, when you are a giver, you are a giver. You're not just a giver because someone is worthy of you giving to them or that they will appreciate you and write you a 10-page thank you letter. See, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to eradicate what life has taught you. Life has taught you that no one deserves anything, and it's all about you. It's all about me. You determine the measure of what God blesses you with. This is kingdom reality. You determine the measure of what God blesses you with. I don't know why God is blessing that person and not blessing me. You determine the measure of what comes. Look at Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Let me bring it again from last week. In my marriage, I give over and above to my wife and everything. And I know that God blesses me in that measure, but far above, because I move in the principle of above and beyond. And that's why in my life, in my marriage, in my home, we are blessed. Not because I'm any better than anybody else. It's because I understood the principle. I understood I'm created in the image and the likeness of God. And because I'm created in the image and the likeness of God, and what I am doing in my marriage, what I'm doing at the church, I give above and beyond in the church from my time, all the above. And the only difference is I have to fight to take my Sabbaths. Because if I don't take my Sabbaths and rest, then I will have to pay that back to the Lord because that's his. See, that's the reality. What happens, the extreme of what I'm talking about of doing everything for my wife, doing everything for, for business, doing everything for the church, doing everything for my ministry. The extreme is that you do everything, but you don't follow the principle of obedience to the Lord. Do whatever he says. Let's, let's follow the thought. 
Whatever measure you give with is what you will get back. Again, by my obedience, I determine what comes back. See, in the wedding, they determine how much wine they got by how much water they put in. They put in, watch this, they put in something natural and Jesus turned it into the supernatural. My question, your relationship with God, your marriage, your ministry, your job, your life, are you going to fill it up to the brim or just a little? I hear conversations of people, especially like the the club or whatever. I always hear them that they're always trying to pinch everything out to get everything they can get out of doing as, as little as they can. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is, is you hear what God says in the Word of God, and you fill it to the brim. And then God returns. I expect when I give my time above and beyond that God will return that. I expect that. That's a principle of giving. In your obedience, if you give a little, you receive little. If you give over and above, you receive over and above. That is the kingdom principle. That's giving. What prompts the supernatural in your life is obedience. Here, what prompts it? What begins it? It's the beginning of whatever he says, do it. The second thing about obedience is obedience transforms dead religion into exciting faith. We are developing a culture at Valley Community Church of faith people, of word of faith people, people who believe that Jesus Christ is Savior, people who believe that Jesus Christ is your healer. Jesus Christ is a baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is literally the soon-coming king. You know, that's the four-square gospel. And that's the, the organization that we are with. Obedience transforms dead religion into exciting faith. These pots, listen very closely, because the Bible tells us this. These pots at the wedding were ceremonial washing pots for purification. I'm not saying that it was wrong. I'm not saying that the purification, because there were laws and everything, but these pots were, literally the pots had no spiritual significance. These religious pots held a miraculous move of God, and now people love those water pots. Those servants also had to have faith. Let me say it this way. There are many believers who are still so excited about Jesus and are full of life, like us. But there are some believers who are Christian fossils, steeped in religion. I want everyone to remember that. I want everyone to think about that. Not in judgment, not in condemnation. You don't walk around and say, you're a fossil, you're a faith person. 
but I'm doing this so you understand what is happening with the church in, in America, what is happening with the church in the world, why the church is, is depleting. The word has, has literally, the tradition of man has nullified the word of God, the power of the word. And when we talk about giving, there are a thousand different thoughts about giving instead of what Jesus says, what the Word of God says. And I have taught you what the Word of God says. I gave you conjecture today. I gave you thoughts. And let me tell you, I'm not going around and proving that's doctrine. Thus saith Gary. But I'm just telling you, I want you to open up your minds and your hearts because religion and all the stuff that we've done for years are all good. But what is God saying now? Fill water pots. How do you get wine out of that? But they had faith enough to fill it to the brim. See, the Bible doesn't even tell us that it was enough to last the rest of the wedding. You ever think of that? Because why? Because that didn't matter. What mattered is what Mary said. Whatever he says to you, do it. Do it. Whatever the word of God says, do it. See, the difference is those full of life are living in obedience. Life comes because you're in obedience. Here is the life of excitement. (laughs) Whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. I live an exciting life. The reason is because I'm in obedience with Jesus. Whatever he tells me to do, I do it. Honey, I'm going to totally surprise you. I want you to come on back up. Grab the microphone. What'd you do at the airport? Your testimony. Oh, so I left last Sunday afternoon to go to Colorado to help our daughter Jill, who's about to give birth, that she's got six weeks left, and we did the baby's room. We were getting the nursery ready. Well, he gave me a certain amount of budget to go, right, to help with the baby's room. And I'm at the, at the airport, and I was taking the shuttle to the you know, to the, the, anyway, there was me and one other guy. He was a young black man, and we just started talking, and he was from Oregon, and he was down in L.A. for a trip. He, he said a much-needed trip, and so I'm like, oh, my daughter, and I'm telling him all about where Melissa's from, and, you know, we were just talking and talking. So we get off, and, he, you know, his name was James, and we, had to, uh, we knew each other's names, but as he was walking away, because I could see his flight was about ready to take off, um, the Lord's, I, actually, I had this thought, give him a hundred dollars, well, you know, I only have, I have my budget, and I, and I said, Lord, was that you? Because I know that wasn't me. 
because I probably wouldn't have done it. But Lord, if that was you. And then I was like, oh, the message this morning, because he was just speaking about giving and giving with the right heart. And the Lord will, you know, give it back to you. And I was like, you know what, Lord, this is all yours anyway. He didn't give it to me. You gave it to him to give to me. So it's all yours. So you know what? So I grabbed him. I said, hey, James. I'm like, come here. And um, I'm like, do you have a minute? He's like, sure. So I said, you know what? I don't know if you believe in God. I don't know any of that. But I just want you to know the Lord just told me to give this to you because he wants you to know that he's watching your life and he wants you to come to him and draw near to him. And he just looked at me and he just starts going like this. And I said, I don't know if you're a Christian. I don't know these things in your life. And he said, this is so weird because me and my brother, we were just talking about how we needed to get back in church because he has all these questions about the Old Testament and the New Testament, blah, blah, blah. And so he just started talking, 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 talking. I'm like, you're going to miss your flight, dude. You know, but anyway, he's, he's like, and you know, he's just tearing up and he's like, this is amazing. And he just grabs me and hugs me. And I was like, James, you have to know how much the Lord loves you and wants you to talk with him and want you to know him. And so he's like, oh, this is amazing. So, you know, when we left and stuff, and so I went over to my seat, and because I, I've traveled a lot, I have been, I'm now gold. <laughs> you know, I've never been gold before, but I'm gold now. I'm actually more gold than you. You are. And so... Anyway, sometimes I get upgraded, and so I had gotten upgraded to first class. And so all of a sudden I'm sitting there, and the they start calling names. And they're like, but passengers, blah, 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 and Klaus, would you come up? And I was like, what did I do? You know. So I go up, and I was the only one that went up. I was looking around. Nobody else was moving. So I go up. I'm like, I'm sorry, you just called my name. And they're like, oh, Mrs. Klaus, you know, we know you're in first class. They've they've overbooked it and we're looking for someone you know to get you know take another seat and get a voucher I'm like oh no no you know I don't do this every after I'm like oh no no I don't want to miss this flight because I'm going to go help my daughter and they're like oh no no we just want you to go back into you know another seat and um I'm like oh what, what are the perks you know and I'm like <laughs> and she's like oh we give you a voucher and um you know you get reimbursed for all this other stuff I'm like oh yeah I'll do that I don't care you know first class it doesn't matter to me and so anyway they ended up putting me back and um even the girl, her name was Kiaria, and I'm like, I have never heard that name. What is your name mean? And she's like, I don't know. It's like, no, I've never even heard of my name. I don't know what it means because you know me. I go back to my seat waiting, and I'm looking up her name. I find out the meaning, and I start telling her her name means lioness of God. She has a noble spirit, and I'm all ministering to her. And so the next thing I know, she calls me back up, and she's like, Mrs. Klaus, um, I was wrong about the voucher. You know, they're going to give you a $575 voucher, plus reimburse you, plus we've got a whole row for you by yourself and we'll bring you all your food and your snacks and everything to you. I told my husband, I was more blessed in row 14 than I was in ever in first class. So I'm sitting there, and they kept coming back over and over. Bring me this little tray. Do you want some more snacks? And, you bring, and I was like, you know, that's okay. No, no, I'm okay. She kept filling my ginger ale. And, she, I mean, they were just taking care of me, kept asking me, do you need anything else? We're just, I was so pampered on that flight, row 14 by myself, you know. I just put my legs up, put my stuff up, you know, and everything. I was so blessed. And it, was, it wasn't until I sat down and I said, Lord, you know, I gave that $100 out of my heart, and I got almost $800 back. That was over and above measure, you know, pressed down, shaken, to get, you know, together. And I was like, Lord, I don't, you know, I just thank you for, again, teaching me and show me not to hold our stuff, 
you know, like the word says, keep those vats open. You keep your barns open and flowing so that the Lord can keep pouring into it above so that you can. So I was able to not only bless James, of course, I prayed for him all week. And I was like, you know, by Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm like, I wonder if he spent his $100, you know. And um, just praying for him that him and his brother would you know, he would connect and they would find, and I told him, you need to find a really good Bible teaching church so that you can understand scripture and you're not confused about the word because the word will teach you. So, you know, I try not to preach too much to him, but we just had a good time. Um, and I just thank the Lord for those opportunities to be a blessing, but not even knowing it, the Lord just poured it all back into me, right? Well, actually, I just, I gave it all back to him. So <laughs> that's all, right? That's it. Okay. Thank you. Love you. Amen. Uh, by the way, let me give you a secret, honey. Next time they offer all those snacks, take them, put them in your purse, and bring them to me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. I go 110%. I love my wife 110%. I love my church. I love my family. In obedience, I give, and I give, and I give, and I always fill the pots of life to overflowing. Obedience transforms dead religion into existing, exciting, wonderful faith. The third thing, obedience is a key to our heart's desires. Some of you have broken hearts because your heart's desires never manifested. Some of you young people, you, you're, you're broken, you're hurt, you're angry, you're frustrated because you had a, a desire and it's not happening. Obedience is the key to that. Think about this sign or this miracle. This was Jesus' first public sign. Turning water into wine was simply blessing a family and their children's wedding with refreshments, helping them pay for refreshments. Now, I just want to ask you this. Are you catching this? Yeah. This tells me God cares about the things you are about, you care about, no matter how small it is. He cares about those things, no matter how small it is. Your knight in shining armor will come. Your beautiful bride will be there. Your bills will be paid. The key to receiving your heart's desire is to obey whatever God says. Psalm 34, 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So here is the culture of the kingdom of God. If you obey God, building his kingdom... Wait for it. He will build your house. If you obey God, you build his kingdom, he will build your house. Here are two reasons why God will bless you more than you will bless yourself. It's so amazing to me how people, God says, if you will do this for me, I will just pour out a blessing that you cannot even contain. Amen. But no, no, I, I know better. I'll do it my way. 
Let me give you the first reason. Or let me give you the second reason first. Because God has more than you do. Why do you trust God? He has more than you do. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. He has more ability to take care of your family more than you do. And as a father, as a husband, don't mess with my family. But when I give them to the Lord, you can't mess with my family. But here's the first reason. He loves you more than you love yourself. Why not trust someone who loves you more than you love yourself? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God wants to bless you more than you want to bless yourself, but obedience is the key. He said, Seek me first and all these other things I will give you Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes ones rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. There are a lot of people who have a lot of things, but they live in sorrow. People strive for things, but they lost their marriage getting it. They lost their health getting it. They lost their children to get it. They lost their ethics to get it. See, Jesus is sitting at the table of your desires waiting for you to obey him and do whatever he says. 3 John 2 says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Mind, will, and emotions. See, a lot of people want, oh, pastor, I want, my, I want just God to take these emotions away from me. No. The emotions are given to you so that you could draw closer and feel God. But God is out of the picture. And what's going on in your life is all that's giving you the feelings. A healed emotion is one that understands God, who he is, how much he loves you, and also someone who is obedient to the Lord. And your emotions will be turned around just like that. A prosperous soul is an obedient soul. Jesus wasn't telling Mary no when he did that man answer. He was saying this, they are not recognizing me yet. They're not including me. And she turned to the servants and said, all of you, and I'm turning to you, my church family, all of you, just do it. That's the depth of what was going on there. I can give you doctrinal stuff of miracles and all that, but that's not what the story's about. Jesus said, they're not recognizing me. 
Mary turned around and said, every one of you, just do what he says. When you give, simple thing, do what he says. And you will receive a blessing that you can ever contain. Let's all stand.